so we quit now, but we were pretty hooked on the Juul throughout the Texas Accelerator program. Um, and so for the longest time during the program, we would just like disappear and go to the bathroom to smoke the Juul. And that <laughs> basically like at the end of the program, we went out, had, we had drinks with our managing director and, and it just turned out and they like basically were convinced we were having like board meetings and like, or, like fighting, fighting, each other. fighting in the bathroom. In the bathroom. <laughs> we're like, no, we're just Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Get Your Wit Together, the podcast where we talk to women in tech about everything but tech. I'm Julia, and I'm dialing in from Kentucky, and I've embraced my roots, and I'm giving you full Southern accent. And I'm Hillary, and I honestly don't know if that was a full Southern accent. I feel like that was a California version of a Southern accent. Yeah, I've really lost my sparkle. (laughs) But I could tell on the airplane when I was going to Louisville, like, everyone says, y'all. Did you start saying it more, too? You're like, excuse me, y'all? And then you're like, Yes. I haven't said that in months. I love y'all. Y'all is such an inclusive term. Not you guys. Y'all. I actually, All y'all. <laughs> I get shit from my team for saying you guys. Have I said this before on the pod? No. I don't think I have. Where literally my team is all guys. It's stand up is me and 13 men and so I'm like hey guys like this is what's going on and my team lead pulled me aside and was like you know Hillary we're not really supposed to say you guys you should say you all and I was like you are literally all guys it would be one thing if there were other women there but for this specific case like also I appreciate y'all is I love the word y'all it's more inclusive but don't call me out for saying you guys when you're all men. So it's accurate. <laughs> My team is also all men. And I say you guys all the time to them because they are guys. But yeah. I don't like it when they say you guys to me because I'm like, can you just say you all? Yeah, I agree. I don't want them to call me a guy, but I'm allowed to do it because right. they are guys. <laughs> y'all okay y'all okay y'all talking about a topic that's near and dear to julia and my own hearts yes education technology ed tech ed tech so besides being students ourselves and using a broad range of ed technology we have a little bit of experience here which makes us extra excited to dig into it julia you want to talk a little bit about your admissions I would love to when I was in college I worked in my admissions office for all four years and my senior year I was like a a admissions intern and so we interviewed students and we're like very close to the admissions process and one of the biggest issues at colleges especially small liberal arts colleges but also larger schools is Once people get into school, a lot of them drop out. Mm 
like they don't have the resources to stay in or they don't know how to get their questions answered or they get into college and then kind of get lost and then decide, you know, no, I'm not going to finish it. So that kind of goes along with our little people we're talking to today. They're not little people either, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> normal people. <laughs> but what about you, Hillary? <laughs> yeah. Today we have the Recky sisters on. Um, you're going to hear our interview with them in a bit. And they are the founders of EdSites, which focused on this problem that Julie was talking about, about student retention and helping universities better connect with their students, connect them to resources, and try to help them not drop out. And... I attempted to do a startup like this one summer. I did a startup fellowship bootcamp and we tried to make a chat bot. The company was called Unibot and it was a chat bot that would talk to university students and try to help them connect with their academic advisors. It was a tool for academic advising. It would give you data driven insights on which classes you should take, help you plan out your schedule and then leave your time with your advisor to do more actual advising and not credit planning. But we were focusing on the problem of like planning your schedule and making sure that you graduate on time. And I don't think there was enough motivation from universities to have students graduate faster. If anything, universities want you to stay and pay. They want you to stay. (laughs) Like if they can get a fifth year senior, they're like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, they're like, two more semesters of that sweet tuition. <laughs> Julia's mom just... There's my mom. <laughs> um, I'm in her bedroom, so... Okay. Which is lovely, by the way. Love it. Loving it. But yeah, I mean, I think your little startup sounds really cool. And like, we obviously would have had more of a use for it as college students, right? Like you totally had that college student mindset. Don't you think like, oh, I want to be able to more effectively plan my classes and talk to my advisor about something that actually matters. The university doesn't care that much. And so it's interesting when we talk to Carolina and Claudia about ed sites, because they have really like hit the nail on the head and found something that the university cares a lot about and that they're able to provide a solution for. And that students care about. So, yeah, they're approaching the problem in a way that I think is really effective. I think they've chosen the right problem to solve. Whereas, I mean, obviously my startup was a failure and (laughs) it, we like, we hadn't chosen the right problem. And we also like didn't really have the right team or timing. But um, that said, let's hear from them. They're the ones who are doing this awesome company. And, um, yeah, we're really excited to to get into it. Yeah, woohoo. Let's go. Okay, so we are on with Claudia and Carolina Recchi, sisters, co-founders of EdSites, which you've already heard a little bit about, but we're going to get into a whole lot more. Claudia, Carolina, you want to say hi? Hi, hello. I'm Claudia. This is Carolina. We're sisters and we have super similar voices, so (laughs) this could be confusing. Yeah, so one more time, which voice is who? (laughs) So I'm Claudia. And I'm Carolina. Beautiful. Um, So to start with, what does EdSites do? 
obviously stalked your website a little bit. It says non-cognitive data to improve retention. Yes. What is non-cognitive data? What, help us. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, what is non-cognitive data? What the tag? <laughs> So yeah, we, um, we're trying to solve the retention problem, which is basically college students dropping out of college. Um, it's a huge problem in the US. Only about half of the students who start actually end up graduating. Um, and so the way that we go about solving the problem is actually by engaging students throughout the semester and collecting data from them directly. So what we mean by non-cognitive is just data that is not, you know, grades. It's not, you know, if you have a um, I don't know, like a parking ticket, or it's, it's not data in that sense, but it's data that is actually coming directly from students about their perception of college. And so we collect data from students directly about what's giving them anxiety, what's keeping them up at night, and then we use that data to help them out and also to give administrators actionable next steps on how to help their students graduate. That's, I think that's on point. I guess non-cognitive just means data that is not just about the student, but that is from the student directly, which is something that we are one of the few companies that do that. So most companies collect data about the student to try to predict which students are at risk. So they'll use you know, high school GPA, their SAT score, um, you know, things like that. Instead, we're actually engaging with students and asking them questions directly around their college experience. That's so cool. I think that's so interesting. So how did you decide like, you know what, this is what I'm going to start a company around. So we actually had a pretty major pivot about a year ago. This is Claudia speaking right now. So I went to Georgetown and my senior year of college, I was supposed to, I actually had accepted a job already at Amazon. Um, I wasn't super thrilled about it, but I was pretty set on it. Um, and my senior year, I actually developed a mobile application for college classrooms. Um, sort of like a side project. I kind of was keeping my um, my options open in case it took off, but I was, you know, I, I wasn't taking it super seriously. Um, it actually ended up scaling to over 200 universities in just a couple of months. Uh, and so obviously that was super exciting. I wasn't making any money because it was a free mobile app, <laughs> but I recklessly decided to um, turn down the, the job offer at Amazon anyway um, and start doing it full time. And then um, I actually moved to New York where my sister was living. She was working at Bloomberg at the time. And we gradually started working on it together. She, we, were, we were living together, so it was kind of inevitable that it would happen. And we always, I think, kind of knew that we were gonna start a company together. We didn't think it was gonna be that early. Um, but yeah, as she started working on it together, we started, do you wanna say it from here? Yeah, yeah so we started working on it together. And I guess because it started off as a side project. We hadn't fully thought it out properly, which I think happens to many technology founders. And so eventually we tried to figure out different ways in which we could monetize this product. We were getting incredible traction. So we knew that we were doing something right, but that there was something wrong in the business model. And during Techstars, a little bit before Techstars, we realized what we were doing right, which was we really knew how to engage students and students were really willing to engage with us, to submit feedback on their professors and their college experience. And so that was great. And that's something that we wanted to keep doing. But what we were doing wrong and what we were missing was the problem that we were trying to solve was just not one of the top university priorities um, that they're you know, willing to invest money in. Yeah, well, we were, we were pretty lucky because we 
when this happened, we were going through the Techstars program. And so that's an environment where, well, they put you in the mindset of like, either this is going to work out or it's not. Before uh, you get too far into that, just for the listeners, can you explain what Techstars is? Yeah, sure. So Techstars is... It's one of the top accelerator <laughs> programs. And basically what they do is they're like an incubator. So they pick companies that they think are promising in different cities all over the world. And then every year they'll invest in 10 companies in each of their cities. And for three months after they invest, they'll actually mentor these companies, have workshops for them, connect them to investors, help them fundraise. But really one of the things that they force you to do is accelerate the growth that you would have, you know, accelerate the growth in those three months. So we grew in three months more than we probably would have in six months if we were not in the program. And they force you to think about all the problems that as a founder, you never want to think about and you keep pushing aside. And so during that program, we were going through this major pivot, doubting ourselves, not knowing if it was going to work out. But we had this amazing network of people that we could bounce ideas off of that could give us advice that had been perhaps in technology or in education before. And so that really helped us know that we were making the right decision and it helped us actually then implement that idea. Yeah, and I think in three months, we literally grew as much as we would have in a year. Yeah, it was, for us, it was instrumental, especially because we are first-time founders, and so we haven't started a business before. There's so many things that, so many mistakes that you make as a first-time founder that are just inevitable, and so if you can mitigate that risk a little bit by being in an environment of people that have done this before, that's a huge advantage. What were some of the um, best pieces of advice that you all received that like really helped you in those three months? For us, I'd say the number one thing that paid off for us that people told us and that we've really been following religiously is know what you don't know. So we, my sister and I are, we know about technology, but we're not, you know, amazing developers ourselves. We know what we don't know, so we know when to pull in other experts that have done this before. And that's something that Techstars makes a huge point about by introducing you to all these mentors. And um, all of these mentors really want to help you, but you really need to be able to set your ego aside and say, okay, I really have no idea you know, how to put together a service level agreement. Let me like, pull in someone who's done this before, a lawyer, and get some help. And so for us, knowing when we needed to ask for help was really crucial, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Else? I think they also did a really good job at teaching us how to ask for help. Um, I think that when we were, I, I think when you think of asking for help, sometimes it's, sometimes it's easy to make it tough for someone to help you. If you ask something that is super broad or you ask an introduction, you just ask, you know, do you know any university administrators? Um, that's, really putting it on the other person to try to think of everyone they know and try to think if there's anyone that fits that profile. Whereas what they taught us is ask for help because people are willing to help you. You just need to make it really easy for them to do so. And so don't ask, like, do you know a university administrator? Ask, hey, like, I went through LinkedIn. I noticed you're connected to this person. Would you mind making an introduction? Um, and that way, you know, it's, it's really pretty easy for the other person to help you out. So I think that's something... Uh, they also taught us what else. And I would say the other thing is just putting customers first. I think as a, as a first-time founder, you hear all these stories and so many people get pressed because they fundraised um, or, you know, you'll see all, the, all this press. And it's easy to get distracted by, what, by other stuff and forget what really matters. And I think Techstars did a really good job at 
reminding us that ultimately like customers are the number one thing that you should care about and then everything else kind of comes later. It sounds like you grew so much and if I were the Techstars people and I listened to this, I would think, oh my gosh, my babies are all grown up. <laughs> They've come so far. Yeah. I want to get a little bit into your co-founder dynamic. So your sisters. Yeah. What's it like working together? It's Yeah, I'd say it's pretty fun and it would probably be really funny if someone saw us from the outside <laughs> like all the time. Um, we... We've always been really close, which is obviously important if you're going to start a business with your sibling. Um, but there, I think there's a ton of advantages for us. Well, first of all, we live together and we work together. We go on vacations together when we go home. So we're like together all the time. We used yeah. to like split the jewel sometimes. We over each other. <laughs> over each other. Hiding in the bathroom. <laughs> yep, it's really overwhelming. So like we are always together. Um, but the cool thing about that and the cool thing about growing up with the person that you're starting a business with is that you really don't have too many filters with that person. And so if let's say my sister Claudia writes something, uh, an email that just, that I think is awful and just, you know, is terrible, just tell her like, Hey, what was that? Or if I design something for a product and she doesn't like it, she'll just tell me upfront. And so that allows us to not really bottle up any problems or resentments we're, we like to say we're, if anything, aggressive, but never passive aggressive with each other. And it's funny, but it's actually pretty huge because we never end up having big real fights. We just have many discussions throughout and then they, um, they kind of fade away right away. I feel like when I hear about founders who have known each other for like three months, I just, I'm like, how are you going to do this? Like we, it's like, they say it's tougher than a marriage. And I really think so. It's just, it's such an intense relationship because you go through so many emotional ups and downs together that your bond is either really strong or it can it can really suffer and that's kind of i mean they say that's the the worst thing that can happen to a a startup is you know a founder leaving so yeah i think we've been pretty lucky in that sense i know other founders who have known each other for three months who are like i don't know how you do this you're living together you're working together, going on vacation together. And I get that perspective too, but I think for us, we're so used to this that it would, it would be weird having it any other way. Yeah, and I mean, to your point, the most common reason why startups fail is the founding team. The co-founders don't get along, something happens. And so you're already reducing so much risk by knowing that you're not going to split up. Yeah. You're, you're stuck together whether you like it or not. It's huge though. It makes a huge difference. It's like, yeah. well... You know, I, my sister is going to be my sister forever. So even when you have a tough time, you, you make it work and you never get to that point where it's really bad because yeah. the mentality, the mindset that you have is just different. Yeah, we were thinking about this. Imagine like if there were, if we always had the choice in the back of our mind, like, but we could also, <laughs> could walk away like, yeah, we could just walk away from each other. I feel like having that choice would us maybe fight less for our relationship. Yeah. But the fact that we don't have a choice, it's just like, yeah, we just go with it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have other siblings? No, no. It's just us. And we're two years apart. So I think that's, we've been playing together <laughs> since we were very young. Yeah. I feel like siblings that are two years apart are pretty close usually. We were looking at this picture the other day of us. I think doing a puzzle when we were like four and six. On the floor. On the floor. And we're like, oh my gosh, nothing has changed. <laughs> 
Yeah, like just instead of a puzzle, now you're doing a SWOT analysis or something. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer puzzles. <laughs> we have some really funny ones. We actually have um, a, like a group of investors that we send monthly updates to every month with like our progress. And then sometimes when we're in a good mood, we'll randomly attach <laughs> pictures of like us when we were like five and seven dressed up as like, you know, Midwestern cowboys like back in the day on a cruise trip. And we'll send that to all of our investors and it's pretty funny. <laughs> that is awesome. Let's see. I guess one question I have is like, did you all feel like there was an advantage to being female founders and like what was that experience like in Techstars and what's it like when you're going out and asking for funding? Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? I think that's accurate. I wouldn't say there is an advantage, but I do think that this is a really good time to be a female founder, um, both with programs like Techstars and also with fundraising. Investors are more conscious of, you know, they all of a sudden are not used to just hearing men present. And so when a woman comes onto the stage and starts talking, that's a tone of voice that they're used to. They don't immediately think, oh, you know, this sounds a little less, um, I don't know, she's not making as strong of an argument. They look at the facts and they take into account the fact that there's a chance that maybe she's underplaying herself a little bit. And this is something that is not on men. It's something that women have to get better at as well. Um, we are a great example of women that have struggled with presenting ourselves in a way that was, you know, that we were, we were struggling to make bold statements and, you know, use big buzzwords that men toss around all the time, um, saying things like we're disrupting the way and we're, you know, rethinking and innovating. Like these are all things that when you have, especially at the beginning, when you have literally nothing like perhaps you don't have a product you don't have a team yet you don't have money in the bank how do you go out and make all these big statements but at the same time if you're not going to make these statements who's going to give you money no one and so all startups are going to face that awkward moment and when they do men are just a little bit better at you know throwing out those big words and saying things that are i'd say like a rosy version of the truth maybe (laughs) (laughs) and um but now there's a lot more awareness around that. And so people are starting to realize that, you know, a woman saying something that sounds less impressive may actually um, not be something to just disregard in itself because there could be more to it. And I think as the female role models kind of, or like as there, there are going to be more successful female founders, I think it's also going to be easier for an investor to picture that when a female is is presenting. I think now part of the problem is that there aren't that many role models out there. And so when you picture a founder, unfortunately, most people picture a a white 24 year old with a hoodie. And so so it's about changing that um, brand as well. Yeah. Yeah. Normalizing other pitch styles. Yeah. Yeah. And we always have a story uh, about this one time that we were pitching at this, um, I believe it was a startup presentation, uh, competition or something. And my sister goes up and pitches and she's like, she gives this amazing data and she's like, yeah, and like we 
tripled or I don't know what it was. Our KPIs like, yeah, felt KPIs, guilty about yeah. like rounding. <laughs> I felt guilty about like rounding up some of the decimal <laughs> decimal <laughs> points. Exactly. It was like whatever. It was all data graphs, like made really solid points. And then this other guy goes on stage and he's literally, he literally goes. And then what happens is as soon as you walk into an institution, the engagement is through the roof. <laughs> Even I just says like fluffy words like that. The entire presentation does not give one data point and yet he ends up winning. Yeah, ends and up so winning. That was like, that stuff like, you know, our customers are literally sending us love letters all the time. Like, what does that mean? Show me the love letter. Like, put some data on the slide. Like, <laughs> said nothing. Said, said nothing. nothing. Engage <laughs> level through the roof. Revenue through the roof. Like, fundraising data through the roof. exploding. And it was just like, are you serious? But people bought it. People bought it because you hear someone so confident and it's like, how could they you know, be lying or exact, like that things must be going really well. Like, yeah. you know, if they, and so after that, we were like, okay, we're going to start using the through the roof thing because this is clearly <laughs> the way to go. <laughs> no more numbers on our slides. <laughs> <laughs> or just like one big number on the front. Yeah. Like, we're <laughs> skyrocketing. <Yeah. laughs> but it so is, it's so true. Like <laughs> the confidence levels are so important. I actually like, this is so funny that you say that last week I um, was helping this group of uh, startups and they came to our company to do pitches. And one of the groups had all these really good numbers and, but they were like very meek in the way that they were saying it and they didn't seem really confident. And this other girl had nothing, literally nothing. Like she had this amazing idea and she had a really beautiful slideshow. And then she was just so confident. And everyone was talking about her the rest of the night. Everyone's like, that was so amazing. <laughs> and you're like, you literally don't have a product. Like, you don't have anything. <laughs> you have nothing. It's crazy, yeah. It plays a huge role. Well, and during Techstars, so our managing director at Techstars is a woman. And she noticed from the beginning that, so Claudia was doing a lot of the pictures. And she noticed that we were... I wouldn't say underplaying ourselves, just not over. I mean, we felt like we were doing, yeah. we were selling ourselves we well. We thought we were doing a great <laughs> job, but she was like, hey, you guys are not selling yourselves enough. And we had demo day, which was coming up, which is when all the startups pitch in front of hundreds of people in a theater. And she was like, I literally want you to go on stage and I want you to, you know, play yourself up so much that you're blushing. I want you to feel almost uncomfortable because that's what everyone is doing and you're just not doing it enough. And so she kept saying that and eventually like we kind of learned that it's not even lying. It's just making, you know, things sound, you know, doing the most with the data that you have and with the stories that you have. Why do you think that was so hard at first? Um, I think, it, well, at the beginning, I you're, think it's, it's okay. Can yeah. I say this? Yeah, sure. I, I feel like I know why. <laughs> Go ahead. I think for me, at least, it was tough because I think women who show off are seen as more annoying than men who show off. I feel like it's, yes. especially when you're a woman. And unfortunately, like sometimes I like find myself analyzing women more than men as well. It's like when a woman comes on stage, you're immediately kind of scrutinizing her and like trying to figure out if you like her or not. And it, and it's, it's tougher for successful women to be liked, which is really sad, but it's the truth. And I think it's valid both for men and for women. And so because of that, I think women tend to underplay play themselves and you know not 
I guess show off. I don't know if it's show off, but not, yeah, pump themselves off as, as much because they want to be liked. I think that's a huge part of it. At least for me, that's that's really big. Like, I think it's, I'm always careful. Like, you see when, yourself from the outside and you think, yeah. would I like that person? Maybe I wouldn't. So maybe I'm not going to yeah. put on the annoying tone. Um, but you, you can't think like that. Yeah, and that's a real thing. There's a really great article by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant about the tightrope that women have to walk mm-hmm. in the workplace. And I think you're spot on that it's a lot harder. You sort of have to play this fine line between being really cocky and confident and bossy uh, and also being likable and charismatic. People give their money to people who they like, right? Yeah, Yeah, and one thing that Techstars taught us that I think is pretty funny about fundraising, at least when you're not actually fundraising and you can look at it from the outside, is at the beginning when you have all these investors telling you that they're interested, but no one is actually committing at all. And so at one point you're like, telling all these investors about your progress and, you know, they're telling you, this is great. You know, I would love to stay in touch. Like keep me posted. I'm very interested, very interested, (laughs) but but then they never actually do anything and they know that you want them to commit and you know that they are just trying to scope you out and monitor your progress in case you like become Uber overnight so they can say that they were talking to you and have a spot. But that's always like an awkward conversation to have is to, you know, taking investors. Yeah, you have you have to corner them. You have to be really uncomfortable and awkward, and that's the only way to figure yeah. out. Okay, are you you're interested? Great, write me a check. And they're saying, no, obviously not. I'm not insane. And you can be like, awesome. <laughs> but you know, then tell me why. And then so I know what you want me to do before I can reach back out. And they'll tell you, you know, I think you have to get three more sales. Perfect. I'll get three more sales and I'll circle back. Anything else I should know? And they'll say no, or they'll say yes. And, and then, then that way you can really corner them yeah. and be like, well, now I have everything you asked me for. So yeah, it's something that as a first time founder, we were very uncomfortable doing. Just like after the second meeting asking, so like, are you willing to commit a hundred thousand dollars right now? <laughs> like absurd questions, but that's what you have to do. Never pretend that you want advice from what you want is money because people know. <laughs> no, no. That, really? They say when you need money, ask for advice. And when, and advice, when you need advice, ask for money. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that a million times. Yeah. That's not true? For, You're I, debunking I, the myth? No, I think you do ask for advice, but like at the big, like right before you, you open the round, you know, before you're actually raising. And yeah. so that way when you're actually raising, you can be upfront about, hey, you know, we've been talking for the past six months, you've been following my progress, I'm opening around, are you interested in chatting about it? And that's fine, but if you're like, if your round is open and you're actually in the middle of raising money and you're going out asking people for advice, I think you should have been doing that six months ago. And this is at the angel stage, obviously, when it comes to VCs, um, it's, the conversation is pretty straightforward, as you you both know what you're talking about, <laughs> but, um, but I think with Angel, it's a little more awkward because it's, you know, it's a person that you're asking money to. It's not company. I, I would tend to agree, but my sister is not agreeing. So I don't know. <laughs> so that says a lot. <laughs> I guess you can have different opinions. Is it time, well, Julia? What the tech? What the tech? <laughs> Hillary, do you want to lead off what the tech? Yes. So we got a What the Tech submission this week from one of our listeners, Hannah. And what it says is a link to an article in the SF Gate, which is headlined, 
San Francisco has highest density of billionaires of any city in the world. That's billionaires with a B. And it's Beyonce. Yeah. One in every 11,000. That's nuts. Is a billionaire in the city of San Francisco, which is more than Dubai or Hong Kong. Or. What the tech? <laughs> what the tech? That definitely was not the case. There more billions than homeless people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Biggest concentration of both, probably. Claudia, tech. do you want to go? Am I saying what the tech? Yeah. If you have a what the tech, then oh, send, oh. say it to the world. If you need a minute, I can go too. Okay, you go. You go. Okay, my what the tech was. I was on a flight from San Francisco to New York. And you could tell, no, actually from New York to San Francisco, you could tell every single person that was going to be on the San Francisco flight because it was like 95% AirPods, like (laughs) 2% beats over the ears. And then there was like the the lonely 3% that still had the cords connecting them to their phone. That's hilarious. So, I love the tech. <laughs> like, yeah, you like see them in security, you see them yeah. in Starbucks, you all get to the gate and you're like, oh I I know where you're going. And and you can totally tell like half of them have an away bag, half of <laughs> them have all birds on, half of them like everyone just looks quite techy. So what the tech. That's so funny. That's a good one. Actually what the tech. What the tech? That just reminded me of a really good what the tech. Um, we recently went to a startup tech conference. It was basically TechStars' annual conference, and it was in Oakland, California. And we flew to Oakland, and we weren't sure where the conference was, so we start walking around downtown Oakland, no clue where this building is. And then all of a sudden, we see this building with like literally 200 birds parked outside of the building. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, this must be it. Like, I think we're here. And I took a picture of it because it was so, it was just limes and birds all over the floor outside of this like abandoned high school. (laughs) And I was like, this is definitely where the conference is. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What the tech. (laughs) What the tech bird graveyard? That was such a good what the tech. Yeah, yeah, with the the earpods. Well, thank you guys so much for being on our podcast. I feel like I got a little founders one hundred and one in. Are you guys hiring? Do you want to give a plug? Yeah, we are actually. If anyone is interested in account manager roles, sales jobs. Potentially product manager. Potentially product manager and engineers. So really almost everything. Yeah. We're really, especially when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to hiring, we're looking more for people than for roles. Yeah. So if you're awesome, let us know. <laughs> In New York City? Yeah. Um, we're open to remote. We're open to remote. But, yeah. But New York is preferred. Awesome. Well, we'll see if we can get any of our listeners out there. Yes, again, Claudia and Carolina Recchi, founders of EdSites, and check out their website, they're hiring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so exciting. Okay, awesome. And thank you so much, Lanier, for the song. We love it. Okay. Bye. Bye.